I'm having a hot girl summer and not the one that like everyone's talking about where it's really cute. I'm like drenched in sweat. I'm putting a novelty Mets cup filled with ice on my breast <laughs> to try to cool myself down. I, I'm I'm schwitzing. Well, you've now made the listeners thirsty when we're going to talk about a thirsty-ass movie. I know. I just, you know, I needed to... Uh, this is not a visual medium, so I really had to use my words in, in prepping everyone for what we're talking about today. You did a wonderful job, my love. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's an honor just to be nominated. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's why I get paid the big bucks. That's <laughs> why I don't get paid anything. The zero dollars we make on this podcast. <laughs> Hey babe. Yeah, babe. Hey babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Slumber Party Massacre? You mean the 1982 slasher cult classic? Bruh. Yeah. It's so fun. It is fun, and I and when we were watching it, um, I guess it's just an assumption that comes with movies like this and movies from this time period uh that they're all written and directed by men but our first comment was like wait a woman directed this wait a woman also wrote this what okay down yeah Yeah. down okay like where is this gonna go um and we'll definitely get into that yeah we've got (laughs) a a lot to say on that for sure yeah i'm nicole I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes, here to talk about a massacre at a slumber party. <laughs> so much fun. It truly fun. is. Hot it, Girl it Summer. delivers on the promise. This is actually a really good movie to cover during the summer. I love it. Yeah, this is great. So we'll be following the normal format today. In case you're new here, welcome. And also, um, what, yeah, what that means is Topher's going to take us through the plot. Or, no, he's not. I do that. <laughs> uh, okay. So we'll be doing the normal format today, and in case you're new here, that means uh, Topher is going to take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and crew, I'll take us through the plot, and then in our third act, we will dive deeper into an analysis of said plot. So without further ado, Topher, who made this thing? Well, it wasn't John Carpenter, but definitely was inspired by him. Yeah. In that, you know, Halloween. Like, yes. One of it, the most famous slashers ever. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But it was written by Rita Mae Brown, famous author. Too gay to function. Uh, we are going to get into that. She is. <laughs> Good Lord. Happy Pride. <laughs> yeah, I guess we are recording this during Pride Weekend. It, like it, today is the parade. Yes. Like right now, right this very second, we're we're very we're very bad that we're not there. But it's you know. Taking one for the team, I guess. I don't hey, know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Covering a very, very gay movie. I had my pride miracle yesterday. I met Lucy Dacus, got her to sign my record. She gave me a piece of cake and a book recommendation. So, like, I'm set until next year. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Amy Holden Jones. You may know her from directing, oh, I don't know, a little movie called Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza. Yeah. She's also like a big time editor. She was before she was a yeah. director, right? Yeah. She actually turned down the job editing E.T. to direct she did. this. She did. And I remember uh, reading in an article that she um, she like shot the first 
like couple of minutes of this movie or something to show um what's his name roger corman to show roger corman like what she could do and she like she was like i took a thousand bucks and just went and shot this thing and he was impressed so he like said yeah "Yeah, you can direct the rest of it yeah no um her she and her husband shot it rita mae brown had uh come up with the spec script uh sleepless nights as a parody and we're gonna talk a lot about that later but she had wanted to write a parody of the slasher genre yeah and um got jones to shoot it with her husband michael chapman i think is his name so they shot it together and brought it as a proposal to roger corman mm-hmm. um, they shot it for like a grand or something like that and he was like oh yeah no studio will do this but we're gonna change a bunch of things yep as usual <clears throat> yeah i mean roger corman's a he has 418 producer credits he's yeah. still alive somehow he's born in the 20s <laughs> he is almost i mean he's like 95 years old wow yeah um, I also forget that the Fast and the Furious is a remake. The original was, uh, he wrote the original from 1954. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, I just learned that today. I was today years old when I learned that. <laughs> he also, di- I'm pretty sure he directed, or you know, he wrote Little Shop of Horrors. Really? Yeah. What iteration? Uh, the 86, he's credited like as a writer. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I do like that movie. Yeah. No, he was a director for a long time. No, he did, and he directed the original Little Shop of Horrors film, the nice. 1960. Yeah, he's he did a bunch of like genre stuff and then he switched into and then he switched into production. Cool. Yeah, he's he's just an interesting guy. Um <laughs> All right. Yeah. You're not going to recognize most of the names here for the actors. Yeah, they They were yeah, it yeah. was a, this is a low budget movie. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was shot with just a bunch of like people around LA. Yeah. Um, so we have Michelle Michaels as our one of our final girls, Trish. Robin Still as I assume her girlfriend, Valerie. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's that's my headcanon. I haven't seen two and three, so I don't know. I haven't either. I guess we should we should announce that up top. We have not seen the full trilogy. We've only seen the first one. But I'm gonna watch the full trilogy. It maybe so yeah, fun. maybe this October when we're watching like a horror movie at night. Yeah, we'll do like a slumber party a massacre slumber. weekend. We could have a slumber party. Aw. Even though we like live together. <laughs> <laughs> we can make a fort. It'll yeah, be fine. It'll be cute. I'll be half naked, just like in this one. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Uh we've got Michael Vieja as Russ Thorne. That's our escaped uh convict or madman <laughs> with mm-hmm. a with a power drill. Uh, Deborah DeLiso as Kim, Andre Honore as Jackie, Gina Smika Hunter as Diane, Jennifer Myers as Courtney. We've got a bunch of ugly dudes. <laughs> all the men in this are hideous. Yes, uh, all just, the ladies are gorgeous. They're all gorgeous, and all the men. But are isn't ugly that like shit. representative of like the world anyway? <laughs> I I saw this hilarious TikTok. A lot there there are a lot of these that fall under this like category, but it's like. This girl screaming in her car being like, do you think if um, if sexuality was a preference, I would want men? <laughs> men? It's like, it's so funny. And I'm like, and she's like, girls are like the prettiest things on the planet. Do you really think I want to be attracted to men? <laughs> it was it made I, me laugh. Yeah, no, I, I dig that. Um, yeah, that kind of does us for our main cast. I mean, there's a, there's a few... Like I said, ugly dudes in here, but that's mm-hmm. about it. Uh, 
the music was from Ralph Jones, and the music in this is really fun. I love the score for this. But he really just did this and Love Letters. That's it. What's Love Letters? I don't think I know that. It one. was um it was a uh, Love Letters was another Amy Holden Jones mm-hmm. film um with Jamie Lee Curtis. She it's like she, Jamie Lee Curtis finds out that her mom has been had like had a long affair for 15 years and so she starts having her own mm-hmm. affair with a married man. Okay. Um and she's like she works on a radio, she also has to like take care of her alcoholic father. Uh it's a I haven't I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't seen all of it, but it's an interesting movie. Uh, cinematography was from Stephen L. Posey. He's done a bunch of these, you know, horror films and all of that. Uh, he did one of the Friday Thirteenth. He did The Escapist. Uh, this Bloody Birthday. You know, a, a bunch of this sort of stuff. You know, very just like uh, just you know, sort of ridiculous fun genre films. Um, he worked in the camera department for Repo Man, which mm-hmm. is a cool movie. Um, like I said, this is pretty pretty low budget. It was uh, two hundred twenty thousand. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it did really well at the box office, over three and a half million. Mm. It was the right time for this. You know, you had just uh, you had just had Halloween four years earlier. Yeah. And then you had Friday the Thirteenth in nineteen eighty. You've had. I mean, there's. It was just a slasher time. You know. Totally. And then yeah, they they wanted to do a parody of it, which makes sense. I mean, you had such, you had a copious amount, and <laughs> yeah. so you had plenty of material to make a clear parody of it because you have to have like you know. You have to have a reference point, a jumping off point to therefore make fun of it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it had to, it was the perfect time to do it because again, like Halloween, huge hit, you know, like everyone had seen these movies. Right. Yeah. 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 Everybody knew what it was. Yeah. Um, There is a remake coming out supposedly this year. I'd be in, who's doing it? Um, It's being directed by uh, Danishka Esterhazy and Suzanne Keeley is writing the script. I mean... Two ladies. All right. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, as we haven't covered anything from Esther Hazy yet, but um, we we should because she's done a bunch of horror films. Um, I've seen Black Field. I haven't seen Level Sixteen or the Banana Splits movie. Well, maybe we'll cover the the remake of Slumber Party if yeah. if we feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> if we if we see it, and we're inspired to. We'll see. Yeah, as we said, there were two sequels: um, 1987, 1990, two and three. Um, there are also things in the universe. Um, there is Sorority House Massacre, Sorority House Massacre 2, Nighty Nightmare, and Sorority ha- Massacre, Sorority House Massacre 3, Hard to Die. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, there's also a pretty cool documentary from Jason Paul Collum uh, in 2010. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, like I said, 1982. It was released in September in LA and November in New York. We love it. And again, a nice tight runtime of 76 minutes. Yes. Super short. Very easy to watch. In and out. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, yeah. It just gets in and out, kind of like the drill. <laughs> yes, from our from our um, slasher killer's weapon. <laughs> weapon. Yeah, this was the era where everything had to have a specialty weapon. Totally. Everyone had like some sort of iconic. You know? Yeah, Freddy Krueger with the glove, yeah. Jason with the machete, and Russ with the the drill. Choose your fighter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to take us away on some plot? I sure do. We are in L.A. Ooh. City of Angels. Um, we've got... Really? Ch- Is that what that means? You can fight me. It's okay. Take this outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's not any warmer in, out there than it is in here. Uh, yeah. No, it's true. Um, anyway, we are in Los Angeles. We've got our girl Trish... 
Trish Devereaux. I wonder if she's related to Blanche Devereaux. She might be. I wonder Golden if she. Girls. Yeah, yeah. She probably is. It's all in the same universe. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think we could write a fanfic. Um, <laughs> she's a high school senior. She's you know having a slumber party. Her parents are, have gone away. Uh, we're very quickly introduced to creepy neighbor, neighbor, creepy neighbor, uh, Mr. David Content. He is so creepy. I don't like the, him. I don't either. I don't either. He like, I mean, he's kind of you know the red herring, right? Mm-hmm. He like, oh, he totally is. Yeah. He, He's, um, we see him, you know, kill snails with like a cleaver and you're like, why do you have a cleaver? Yeah. Um, and he's been given the job of checking on them and, you know, it's like his parents are just oblivious. Like, why would you get creepy neighbor to like check? Did you check the sex offender? Yeah. When did that, when did that become a thing? When did we start making a a sex offender registry? Yeah. Um, (laughs) But anyway, she's uh, she wakes up, gets dressed, goes to school. We're at school. We've got Russ Thorne, who is an escaped mass murderer. He kills this telephone repair woman and takes her van. And um, in a, in an actual like a very funny first um, scene here. And I want to say that one of the first things that I notice is that every single time someone's going to get killed, they have like a male gaze butt shot. Yes. Every yes. single the time. Butts kill. The butts kill. I do love this telephone repair woman though. She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And the guys are just ogling her. Oh, and just course. like, Oh, you know, like, uh, you like younger guys. And she's like, mm. she just like fucks with them. She's like, <laughs> I don't like guys period. Um, <laughs> Every woman in this movie is gay, except Diane. We love. We love. Mm-hmm. Trish meets up with her friends. We've got Kim, Jackie, and Diane, like you just mentioned. She invites this new girl, Valerie, to the party with a gay panic. In oh, a gay panic. big gay panic in here. A gay in panic. the shower, staring at her from across the room. Yeah. And Diane's being so rude about her. And she can clearly hear her. Like, Diane's, like, screaming this in the locker room. And I'm like, y'all are She's in the next bank of lockers over. Yeah, I'm like, y'all are wild and messy. That's messy. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, in a a gay panic, she (laughs) invites this girl, Valerie, to the party. But she's like, no, because she heard Diane talking shit. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to go to a party where I just heard someone who's going to be there talking shit, especially something as intimate as a slumber party. No, thank you. Yeah, no. I can't avoid her. They're going to be like, I don't know, like making out or whatever. It's fine. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Gay panic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's what what this movie should have actually been called. It's just called Gay Panic. (laughs) Because that is a huge theme in this. So then we see a a not, I I don't think this person is, yeah. uh, Linda. Linda. We've got Linda, who's like not in the friend group. She is. No, no. She was supposed to come to the thing, but then she was like, oh, no, I've got to study. Oh, right. Okay, we just yeah. didn't see her in the locker room. That's right. Okay, so... Uh, we see, we, hers is the big butt we follow into the shower scene. Oh, my God. We're going to talk about all all of these There's uh, so male many butts in this. Shots. So many butts. But, anyway... But. Um, but. She goes back in to get a book because she's like, no, I have to study. Um, Nerd. She's the Jamie Lee Curtis in this one. She really is. She gets locked inside, of course, and is attacked, and we assume she's dead by um this guy he's got a power drill and of course whenever we see him with the power drill like this is this is where like kind of the parody comes in and this is that like it's always like 
very phallically like dangling in between yeah, his legs and yeah. shit. And I'm just like, okay, it's that's Note very taken. heavy-handed, but I got it. I, no, I see what you were doing. Here. I see what you're doing there. And then we, you know, we're like, okay, she's dead, so we're gonna go to the party. Like we're going to the party. Um, we're at the party. The girls smoke marijuana and drink alcohol. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. They bring over like six Modellos and that's it. That's like, yeah. is this a party or are y'all just trying to get a light buzz? <laughs> and then we see that Valerie is uh, babysitting her younger sister, Courtney, who is, looks 20, but is acting 12. It's weird. It's really, it's like a weird. It's uncomfortable. Uh, yes. It's like a, it, it's again, kind of like catering to like a weird male gaze. It's got She's like some licking like, a lollipop, a huge yeah. lollipop. She's got like, it, yeah, she acts like she's 12 years old. When but she's, she's got a Playgirl with Sylvester Stallone on the cover. It, yeah, it's really They're weird. They're making masturbation jokes. And she's like talking like this. And I'm like, oh my God. It's got a little too bad reading of Lolita to me. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Um, but... Then we've got these two boys from school, Jeff and Neil. Of course, their names are Jeff and Neil. Um, <laughs> they're spying on the girls, because of course they are, while they change clothes. Russ, who is our killer, kills Mr. Con- Content outside with his power drill. Um, and then Diane is like, oh, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Fook. Um, want to fook? Want to fook? Um, so she asks Trish, Trish's permission, and she's like, you don't need my permission. Um, You're your own to, woman. You can give consent whenever you want to. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, go if, if you if that's what you, what you want your night to be, then like go ahead. If I you want to go fuck in a sports car in my garage, by all means. Like I don't care. So, uh, but you know, there's a wrench in the plan because uh, <laughs> he's decapitated. <laughs> she walks in. She gets in the car and like touches him, and his head just falls off, and she just starts screaming. This it's is such a pretty a great, great shot. shot. This it's, is yeah. I love every single kill in this. Yeah, no, this is this is pretty classic. It's classic with like you with slashers. It's right on because in most slashers, you like don't really see the first death. It's like. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know the the woman was in the car and you just saw her like clawing at the window like screaming help yeah. and then you assume that she's dead and then you see a little bit more with you know um, Lindo's killed you know in the in the school and then they just progressively like they get worse and they get more yeah. intense and they get you know it's a good build it is it really is they did a really great job with that in this uh, particular movie but um, anyway so now the 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 boy is killed the boyfriend is killed. And the girls are like, I'm going to order pizza. And um, they're on the phone with their coach, uh, who's just, like, talking. You know, they're, like, talking stats. They're talking basketball. Yeah, the, Jeff and Neil are over. They're like, oh, yeah. it's uh, They're like, oh, yeah, who had the runs last night? And they're all debating about the Dodgers game. Yeah. Because they're very straight. Yeah. You know what's funny about this movie and what I like about it? And was we'll talk about this more later, but it was you know a kind of a way I think of the the writers kind of preserving some of their commentary on 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 uh, traditional gender roles and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like they took the Bechdel test and were like, okay, we we understood the assignment. Right. So they've got the 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 two guys. Mm-hmm. Whenever you you see them, they're kind of only talking about girls. They're kind of only talking about yeah. like whether it's in a sexual way or whether it's like a relationship woe. Mm-hmm. They're like always talking about the girls. And meanwhile, the girls who are like at the slumber party, 
they're always talking about like basketball, like stats, games, like all this stuff. So it's it's kind of funny. Like, of course, they talk about the guys because of Diane and who's with a guy. Yeah. Um, she has John. A, a boyfriend, John. That's right. But it's just kind of funny. Like, again, I think that they, like, took the Bechdel test and understood the assignment. Yeah, which is funny because this <laughs> predates the Bechdel test. Yeah. When was the Bechdel test? Um, it's, it came out in the... It, uh, Alison Bechdel wrote that comic in the 80s, but it was, like, I think 87. Mm. Um, it was late 80s, early 90s. Okay, so this was before it. But, I mean, that gives them extra points then, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Alison Bechdel is a queer woman, mm-hmm. as, is, as we said, Rena Mae Brown. We and, all saw Fun Home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's uh, I, there was a lot of this discussion happening at the time yeah. um, in more feminist circles. Cool. Uh, around like how we structure, you know, just media. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So they they order pizza. They're talking to the coach. They answer the door, and like the pizza man. His eyes are drilled out. Mm-hmm. So he just um, falls right into the. <laughs> this scene is ridiculous. Oh, that's amazing. They just use him as a table. It's so callous. I love it. I love it. And they just start like. He's eating. cold. The pizza's not. Yeah. <laughs> they start like eating the pizza. Oh my God. It's, <sighs> it's pretty funny. This is when. How drunk would you have to get to use a dead man as a, t- as a pizza table? Uh, four shots. None, because I would never do it. Of Pinot Grigio. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh. I, I really, I really, I wouldn't. But this was my, this was my moment where, because um, I didn't know the context of this film. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was. Yeah, we went to be in blind. We went in completely blind. Um, this was the moment where I was like, I think this is a parody. <laughs> I think this is supposed to be funny. You know, like, I didn't think that it was taking itself seriously anymore at that point. Yeah, that's when it really goes in. I'm just like, oh, no, this is stupid. Yeah. On purpose. It, no, it's, like, more self-aware than I gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all go and grab knives. We've got Jeff and Neil. They go to run for help, which, again, is another swap in, like, the gender. Yeah. The, the gender norms um, where, you know, normally it's, like, they're the ones who, who like, grab the weapons, the, the men in the stories. They grab right. the, we- the weapons and they tell the girls to, like, go hide somewhere or some shit. Um, but in this one, it's, you know, the girls grab the knives and they tell them. They're, like, go go get some help. We don't care who, like, anyone that can help us. Mm-hmm. Um, Sort of thing. So that's also a fun. And the girls are like, we should stick together and stay on the first floor. And the boys are like, we should split up. Yes. There's a there's a big theme in this of like power and numbers mm-hmm. versus patriarchy and all of that. Oh, you absolutely. Know, that I think for a lot of people could go over their heads, but still enjoy the movie. But for but, anyone yeah. who's analytical, <laughs> you know, it's like analyzing this. Nerds like us. Yeah. Then it's kind of, it's fun to look at it that way. So what ends up happening is... Uh, Russ breaks in and Jackie is murdered. Mm-hmm. So then we've got Trish and Kim. They have like barricaded themselves in Trish's bedroom. They've pushed like the dressers and then whatever they can they find. They did smart things. Yeah, up against the door. Um, but there are windows. So Russ gets in through the window and kills Kim as. Who sacrifices herself for she, Trish. She does. She does. It's a, it's a pretty powerful moment. And then Trish. It says, fuck this shit, I'm out, like, runs away. And um, then we've got Valerie and Courtney, the sisters. They 
get into the house and find Kim dead. And so they're like, oh, shit, the killer's in the house. We got to hide. So they're hiding from Russ. And then Coach Jana, who was on the phone with him earlier and heard some shit, was like, Yeah, she heard the screaming and then the phone line went dead because he snips it. Yeah. She's like, I don't like that. So she gets to the house, which, how does she know where they live? It's always a thing that I see in like 70s, 80s movies where like... I guess there there are directories that used to go out. Like my elementary school would put out a directory that had yeah, like yeah, exactly, people's yeah. addresses. So mm-hmm. maybe it's that. But I always find it as like a weird, like, oh, that's convenient. You just like know where to go, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> but anyway, she... She is confronted by Russ, our yeah, killer. Nice little fight here where she grabs the fireplace poker and gets some hits in before he uh, slips the slips her the drill. Disembowels her. Yeah, yeah. There's some gut. For, you know, lack <laughs> of a... Uh, actually, that's a perfect word. Um, Valerie chases Russ with a machete. She finds the machete. She does. And she, uh, after much... Russell and Tussle, she uh, <laughs> severs his hand and then slices his stomach Yeah, chops open. that fucker off, and he's like, ah, ah. Yeah. And then falls in that pool, finally. That pool that's been sitting there that we haven't mentioned. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is a pool. Um, of course there is. It's like an 80s um, teen movie. Yeah. Of there's a pool. Russ survives, and he attacks them once again, um, but Valerie's the one that finally kills him with the machete. Mm-hmm. And She's like, get off my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of, then Valerie and Trish break down in tears and Courtney just looks on in shock. And that's the end of the movie. It's so Roll good. credits. Yep. Yeah. So I, like I said earlier, I really didn't know that this was a parody. Again, we went in blind mm-hmm. um, and then like three quarters of the way in, I was like, oh, like it clicked. Yeah. And I think that it's not obvious because of the... Um, studio interference right with this movie yeah so i can speak a little bit to that if you want me to yeah um so like we said rita may brown had written this under the title uh sleepless nights yeah and yes it was supposed to be a slasher film mm-hmm. um when jones directed it with her husband and shot that spec they were like okay great and corman was like yep we'll finance it but the studio said, no, we're going to actually make this a serious slasher film or we're not making it at all. Yeah. Like they wanted to make it straightforward. Mm-hmm. And Brown was so pissed about it. She really didn't want that. She was like, fuck you. Fuck this. It's supposed to be a commentary. And so it does bleed through. And I think a lot of that credit does go to Jones mm-hmm. for making sure that that still came out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, complete studio interference here. Just saying like, nope, we're going to make it up and down. If you want the 200 grand, you're going to have to go with what we say. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, you know, as it's, it's male gazy from, from the jump, um, with the locker scene and just like panning up and down of like naked women in, in who are supposedly only 18 years old. Yeah. So many titties. Uh, yeah. And just... So as we were watching this, I was like, my mouth was open. I was like, as like, because part part of me was disappointed. I was kind of like, this could have been done with two, with with as many women as it seemed like were in the room. This Mm -hmm. could have been done completely differently. I get, or I ended up getting that it was, you know, like a parody and, and it could have been like one of those things where... All like making fun of the men that 
made the other ones, you right. know, like yeah, like yeah. with a copious amount of nudity where it's like, okay, you know, like we, we get, get it. it. So I'm like of two minds with it a little bit. I'm kind of like, eh, I feel like we could have either made the point clearer in some way mm-hmm. or not incorporated that much nudity and nudity like that. Because yeah. it feels like you're like, you know, like um, one of the famous tropes or parts of a trope is like dudes making holes in between the yeah, lot and like the, so the, the peephole. Thing. Yeah, like the peephole thing. So part of me thinks it's like kind of making fun of that, but I don't know. Again, I'm of two minds when it comes to that. Yeah, I, it, it definitely is... It's so funny. It's a movie that's commenting on the patriarchy from the script and yes. in some of the direction, but yet it, the studio's like, no, more butts. I need more butts. Yeah. And I mean, I, <laughs> it's a thirsty ass movie from the view, but yeah. it's, yeah. It, so, I mean, I like, I like the um, continuity of like, you get a ridiculous ass shot of mm-hmm. anyone who's going to die. And also the kind of a theme is like, uh, the girls who go who go off to be with like dudes end up getting right. killed. Like there is also that where I think that they're speaking to like power in numbers. Like if we're gonna defeat this killer, we've got to stick together, sort of thing. Right. And the consequence of not sticking together is death. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. There's that, and then like there's also a lot, like the women have the power through every moment of this movie. Even mm-hmm. the, even if they are, you know, a slasher always takes away agency from its victims. For sure, by nature, yes. But with we get so many shots of like just so many moments of the all of the women in this being just hyper capable, right? Totally. Like um, when. Diane's boyfriend, John, mm-hmm. sneaks up behind her. She mm-hmm. judo flips him yeah. onto his back. Mm-hmm. When uh, it's Jeff or Neil, they're the same person to me. Yeah, um, They both have faces like slapped hams. Um, <laughs> but when one of them tries to scare Trish, she punches him in the eye. Yeah, And he gets a black eye. They're the ones who know the score of the, game, of the Dodgers game last night. They call Coach Jana for to ask who got the other run, you know, yeah. as they're running down the box score from memory of a Dodgers game. Right. Yeah. So I, I really think that it, it there is so much capability shown from the women mm-hmm. and uh, hell with Linda, Linda plays it smart. She gets hit in the arm with the drill. She mm-hmm. runs, she hides in a very smart spot, locks the door behind her and tries to stop her bleeding before it gets under the door, but it finally does, you know? And yeah. it's, watching them sit on the floor with their backs to each other so they can see every direction and armed with knives on the first floor so they can easily escape. It all makes sense. Like, they're all very, very capable, smart people. Even the first kill, the very quick kill of... I mean, how many many slashers have, have, have we seen where... The first kill is normally someone that you're not connected to or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, you just... it it. Um, alerts you that there is a killer and it normally is like a maintenance person or like you right. know something like that and the fact that they even just made that person a woman was already flipping like it's already kind of setting you up for that because most of the time it's you know the men being the janitor or the maintenance person yeah. or you know like whatever or the woman's a nurse and gets killed like in yeah. Halloween right yeah. um, and it's you know it. they even comment like the, the two slapped ham boys um, slapped ham faced boys. They comment on the fact that there aren't a lot of tele or telephone repair women 
Yeah. And so putting in, putting a woman in a traditionally masculine role, which is what happens throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, I really love that flip, and it does feel like Rita Mae Brown just that that is the script coming through. And thank God that uh, Amy Holden Jones was able to at least see some of that vision out. You know. Totally. Yeah, I, I really did love how powerful the women are in this. Even the ones that die, you know, they are capable people. Yeah, and you made you made a comment. Um, while we were watching it of like, oh, we've already seen the face of the killer. Okay. Because yeah. that's not common, especially during that time of slasher films. And I think it was on purpose. And here's why. I, If we're relating everything back to like this theme of like the patriarchy and stuff, mm-hmm. I don't think that they would want like an unbeatable, like um, someone with, fantastical powers that we don't know about. Right, not a Michael Myers. Yeah, so by showing this person's face and them literally, like, he looks like their neighbor, you know? Like, he looks like a normal, or uh, just like a, normal's the wrong word, but just like an average dude. He kind of looks like Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, he just, like, he doesn't look he doesn't look scary. He doesn't look, he doesn't even have a mask on. He does. He's just, he's just wearing a bunch of denim. Yeah. He just looks like an average Joe. And I think that that is also symbolizing, you know, women versus the patriarchy because the patriarchy isn't, it's, it's overcomable. Yes. Right. But it's a bitch. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's average. It's annoying. And it's, ingrained and it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that unless everyone you know works together to get you know equal pay uh, all of those right. things yeah, yeah. then we're not no one's going to budge so i that's what i kind of took away from this movie was power in numbers fight the patriarchy like <laughs> you know all and, of that uh, have a gay panic with a girl named Valerie yo the, the gay panic is real in this and i I was cracking up. I was cracking it's up. It's so real. It's so fun. <laughs> like it's, it's so it's such a contrast to the male gaze shots, yeah. because then you do get this woman's gaze of like, oh, that's how you look at someone that you, it, you've talked about this. Like, the moment you find out that you that, that you're attracted to somebody is you decide if you want to be her or be with her. Yeah, and I think that that's a really scary and powerful moment for a lot of queer folk. Is yeah. like that moment of oh i thought i just like wanted to you know be her but in actuality i want to be with her and there's such a fine fine line yeah between the two and so the moment that you have that epiphany of like oh shit yep you're like wait and then you start questioning your identity and then it it goes into this whole thing and And that's a different type of gay panic that is a very different (laughs) kind of gay panic and then and and then you know you're you're welcomed with open arms yeah (laughs) so thank god for that i saw this uh really funny meme that was like you know it it was that timeline meme that was like birth and then like death and it had like maybe the first like teeny tiny part being like oh no i'm gay and then the rest of it was thank god i'm gay <laughs> <laughs> i like that before and after yeah speaking of gay um yeah Rita, we said Rita may brown too gay to function right so mm-hmm. just to give some background on why we say that i love this woman um she seems dope. <laughs> she seems so cool. I was reading an interview with her in Vice. I was trying to find interviews about this movie with her, yeah. and it's just they, they were all like our 
two hour long podcast that I didn't have time to listen to before we got into this. Sorry, I'm Correct. I'm bad at my job. Um, but she, you know, she had a weird life. Uh, she was dropped at an orphanage, got adopted by hardcore Republicans in Florida, re- left like got kicked out of uh, got kicked out of uh, University of Florida at Gainesville mm-hmm. for protesting in the civil rights movement because oh, wow. it was still segregated. Okay. Uh, so she's expelled. She goes to a community college hitchhikes to new york is homeless while going to nyu my god and ends up getting a degree in english and classics and from there and also has a certificate in cinematography bro and then got a phd from uh from union what yeah (laughs) she is wild she also worked at the very first new york city-based women's lib paper oh cool uh the rat the rat yeah so like she's amazing and was out early she she really um rock on yeah and i she ended up so she was like in hollywood for a little while you know doing that whatever and then she meets fanny flag mm-hmm. you know fried uh who wrote fried green tomatoes yep yeah so you know um she had done a bunch of you know, fanny flag was you know, a big deal in the 70s mm-hmm. she was everywhere um, and then they moved to Charlottesville together. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they ended up breaking up. So in 1979, Rita Mae Brown starts dating Martina Navratilova. Amazing. The, like, a major, major tennis champ, right? Mm-hmm. Huge deal. Yeah. Um, they buy a horse farm together. I'm telling you, too gay to function. <laughs> they one-upped. Getting a U-Haul the day that after is, meeting. Yeah, right. A horse farm in a in like less than a year. They went from dating to, to buying owning a horse, a horse farm. farm together. Yep, I, where Rito still lives. You know, I love that for them. You know, yeah, I love a, a happy ending. It's a shame that they ended up breaking up because like Navratilova was like, I can't come out. I won't get my citizenship if I'm oh. gay. Fuck that. Yeah, agreed. But it seems like they're happy now. That's good. We're happy enough. But yeah, I it's just like I was reading all about her. I mean, Rita Mae Brown is like a very, very accomplished novelist and wrote one of the major coming of age lesbian novels, um, Ruby Fruit Jungle. Hmm. Yeah, that was her. That was sort of her breakout. And that was in 73 that she got that published, which is amazing. I love yeah. that. But yeah, I, so I, it's not surprising that this movie is just gay panic left and right, though. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I had so much fun watching it. And I don't think that even though, like, you know, the studio and the producers had a heavy hand on it, it would have been better if they hadn't. But I also think that I really would not have enjoyed this if there had been um, a, a male writer and director. Yeah, no, this would not it, be... It wouldn't have landed as well. And I, I think it would have just been more like gross if that makes sense yeah absolutely it would have been no i I get you because it's um yeah i mean you can definitely say more on that but i completely agree already yeah i mean i just think that even with the male gaze shots that were that were done there's there's a certain amount of tact that's still there you know 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that, yeah, it comes down into the editing, too. Yeah. I think we would have seen... I, I think it wouldn't have come off as, as well as um, this did because in a lot of slashers, we talk about, you know, the brutality towards women and, mm-hmm. and how how I think this would have just been like a weird field day where they could have just done kind of, there would have been, you know, a probably an inappropriate sexual scene where someone ends up dying. I'm just brainstorming of the worst possible scenarios that could have happened. Friday the 13th when uh, the second one where they get stabbed with the spear while they're fucking in the bed. Yeah, it would have. It, I I truly think that it might have in the wrong hands gone that direction, and it would have just been a field day of how can we like show ladies being tortured or something. Yeah, like that. it would have been f- more focused on the actual like the the kills are all quick in this. Yeah, and I feel like aside from aside from Diane's issues with Valerie, um, right? Yeah, it's Diane yeah. who talks poorly about Valerie I think that there's a lot of like camaraderie between the girls in this like they poke fun at each other and stuff but like again we see their relationships grow more than we see like the kills you know yeah no it is more focused on them and just like they want to have fun they want to have this party we have the sisterly relationship but we also just have girls being friends mm-hmm. um, yeah and if it I think if I'm, yeah, I think you're right with the if a man had his hands on this script, your stereotypical like white dude who would have directed this at the time, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely speaking about like you know white says male. Yeah, you would have had, yeah, it would have been the talk would have been about boys and it would have been way more sexual and it would have been way more focused on, like we would have had a sex scene, we would have had yeah. this, we would have had that, you know, like and it wouldn't be. And it would have been three hours long. Yeah. And it's just like. What actually saves this movie, because, like, it's not incredible, but what saves it is how subversive it actually is. Yeah. And I think that if a man, um, a white cis male, directed it and wrote it, I think it wouldn't have been subversive and it would have just been, like, eh. Yeah, it it would have, the word that comes to mind is it would have languished in a lot of these moments. And this never does. This really does just get in, get out. In so many ways. And that's what makes it a good parody is the yeah. in and out, like kind of like the brutality is in how quick it is, you know, it, mm-hmm. and that's how it should be. That you it's so callous. Yeah. Yeah. It's so callous. And, and I kind of like that we don't delve into the killer's past because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just this. one newspaper. And it's and it also goes to it, it also goes to show that, like, I think that they, you know, they obviously didn't want people to sympathize with. Um, the killer with Russ Um, but I think they also were like that's not the point the point is the system is what's evil not Mm -hmm. like like the people who support it obviously have a certain amount of evil but like we're not focusing on that we're focusing on like overcoming it Mm -hmm. but yeah I yeah uh, those are kind of like my my truest, deepest thoughts on the on this um, silly movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this sort of paved that this not just sort of completely paved the way for Jennifer's body. Another oh, movie that would have sure. been terrible if it had been directed by a man. Yep. Uh, thank you, Karen Kusama. We love you, and thank you, Vic. We love you for reviewing that movie with me. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of the like Jennifer's body is the one that actually I think lands it where it it's, manages to be an up and down horror film, but yeah. also manages to be a parody. No, fully of this agree. like slasher genre mm-hmm. or like possession. It's almost slasher, but it's like possession. It's yeah, it's it's hard to pin down exactly, but I yeah. think that's the two sort of subgenres it hits. Right, it ticks a lot of a lot of boxes. Yeah, 
But again, it's another movie that's all about gay panic, as Vic and I talked about for like four hours. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that was something that they pointed out uh, consistently. It was like this bisexual... Yeah, it is the, like we were just talking about, do I want to be her or do I want to be with her? That uh, That Needy has with Jennifer. Yeah. Um, And thank God that movie is having a resurgence. Mm -hmm. And also very funny, a friend of ours uh, was just texting me that people are shocked that Megan Fox is bi. And she came out years ago. And then he's like, especially when she wore this outfit. And he sends me a photo of her in a jean jacket and leather pants. And I'm like... Yeah. Yeah. It's an oversized denim jacket and oversized leather pants. And I'm like, yeah, how did you not know? That is just the most bisexual outfit I've ever seen. Yeah. But yeah, I love, I mean, I love Jennifer's body and we, I've already talked about it way too long on this very podcast, but um, it (laughs) is a two parter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had to split it into it was long as shit. Um, But it really, that is the movie I think that lands the subversion that where this doesn't get the chance to. Yeah, yeah, and I think that this this movie was a little too. It was a little too ahead of its time oh, as it's to way where ahead of its time. and it's it's un, it is unfortunate, and this is actually why I'm excited uh, to see what the remake does. I, I think it's going to be high risk, high reward because we are at a point where yeah. you could make it really like. I, I think that um, we're in a time where like we have a lot of work to do, but like the producers have maybe caught up to what could be interesting and what would actually sell. Um, because what fucked this movie up was when the studio got involved. Yeah. So hopefully everyone can be on the same page and the remake is good. Um, because I just think that they were way ahead of their time with this and I think now could be a good time. So I'm really interested to see what happens with the remake. I might be highly disappointed, but it also yeah. might be one of my new favorites. We'll it's see. coming out on sci-fi, so I'm not holding mm, my breath. Fair, fair, um, fair, fair. Since they're the ones who keep making Sharknados. Oh, Jesus. Or is it Sharksnado? I don't know. I don't just, I, I want to know how to make the plural <laughs> of Sharknado. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see. Well, I'm, I, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, that's fair. I, I, I respect didn't know. sci-fi for you know being out there and making the weird shit, but also stop putting money behind Sharknado. I know it makes you a ton. Please stop ruining movies. I didn't know that that's who was behind <laughs> it. Damn. Okay. Well, they've got the distro, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. It could be amazing, and I hope it is. I yeah, I'm rooting for it. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's about all I really have to say on this. I mean, I could go in for longer just but it's so fun it's i'm gonna watch it again and we'll watch the trilogy yeah it's a fun it's this is a, gonna be a rewatcher yeah it's a fun silly silly romp i would say yeah it's good nice quick time yeah yeah i would i would definitely recommend it and yeah we should say we watched it on shutter yes shutter the people who don't pay us but could if they wanted to they totally could we would be open to that i have open hands and an empty wallet Amazing. On that note, you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we are at www.horrorbabespod.com. Until next time, stay safe out there, especially if you're going to a slumber party, kids. Bye, Bye babes. babes.
Thank <laughs> you.